Kristen, and you're listening to Podcast and Amplify, a podcast for women entrepreneurs who want to amplify their voice and brand through podcasting and grow a wildly successful business. I'm the executive producer and host of two shows and an entrepreneur, and I love helping women grow their visibility, mindset, and business to the next level. Each week, I share tips on how to launch and leverage your podcast, and I'm bringing on the very best business leaders to give you advice on how to build your business empire. Let's amplify your voice and business. Welcome back to Podcast and Amplify. Today, we have Melissa Dos Prezeras Allard. She is the founder and CEO of the Desk to Dust Company. It's a lifestyle brand for women in business. So her vision was to go beyond quality fashion and build a brand that did more than provide women with the right clothing to show up confidently. She also wanted to equip women with tools and access to resources to achieve personal, business, and financial goals through the company's events vision. She's here to talk to us about how your outer appearance affects how you feel on the inside and I think vice versa. So welcome, Melissa. Thanks so much, Kristen, for having me. I'm really excited for this. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you started your business? I was born and raised in Dubai and I moved to the U.S. to play college tennis a few-ish years ago. <laughs> and um, since then, my husband and I have relocated to California. And over the course of the last 10 years or so, I went from corporate America to having my daughter. And then when she was about seven months old, I decided to launch Desk to Desk. Um, I actually remember very specifically it was one September night and um, she was sick for the first time. She was seven months old. I was a new mom and I, you know, knew I wasn't sleeping anyway. And I ended up journaling that night. And what ended up happening was I developed a concept for desk to desk that one night when I was trying to figure out what I wanted the rest of my life to look like. You know, when I was in the corporate world, I remember I was in a sales role. So I was always needing to be dressed up for work. I was out in the community at events, you know, just representing myself, building my book of business and relationships. And I loved getting dressed up for work. I saw my outfit as a, almost like a suit of armor because I was a young professional in a very, almost cutthroat world, very competitive. And there was a lot of rejection in it. For me, a blazer and, or a nice outfit was my way of staying true to my professionalism and showing up even when things were tough. So the thing that I did find, though, was it was very hard for me to find quality workwear that wasn't too matron. You know what I mean? I was I wanted to still look young and and fresh and and wear different colors and styles and and be true to myself and true to my style. But at the same time, I did not want to compromise my professionalism, especially being a younger professional. So when I was trying to develop what desk to desk would look like, I knew I wanted to fill that gap for women. Um, who are out there building their brands, building their careers in in front of you know their audiences or the public eye, and I wanted to fill that space with quality work, where quality pieces that you know you can go desk, you can go desk, um, and not have to forego your mortgage or or you know shop fast fashion. So that's um, where desk to desk started. 
Yeah. And I hear what you're saying around like having that armor. You know, a lot of our listeners are in the entrepreneurial space. And so that doesn't take away the need for a blazer or a a uniform, I guess. It's just that we get to define it. But I think we also still want to feel and show up and look professional. It's just in our own authentic way and in a way that feels comfortable. And, and what does that mean for us? So you mentioned that you have a background in, I think, sports or because you were a tennis player. How does that play into your business? I've been competitively in tennis and sports since, I guess, I, since I was walking. My, my dad was a, um avid tennis player. And he was so in love with the sport, he put a tennis racket in my brother's hand and in my hands just as soon as we started walking. So it's we were the epitome of what a tennis family is, and it's just been part of who I am and who we are and what we did. It was such an early age that we started that it, you know, has really become part of my identity versus just something that I did. And so everything that I look at or everything that I take on, I almost still use that lens um, or that perspective that I developed from being a competitive athlete and, and use, you know, what I learned there in, in business, in parenthood, in, in any aspect of my life, you know, just because it's, it's such a big part of who I am. So um, I actually relate sport and business very closely. You know, business is a sport, essentially, to me, especially. And so what was the big part of tennis that I bring into business daily was that it was an individual sport, right? And there's no coaches on the court with you, like in other sports. It's something that you have to get up and get through on your own and by yourself. A lot like business, you know, sometimes we have co-founders, but in my case, I don't. And so, you know, getting up and showing up daily, even when things are hard, even when things are tough, talking myself through the peaks and valleys of business very much comes from uh, my tennis days or that's how I, you know, related to what I learned as, as a kid growing up on the tennis court. My dad used to say, when you get to a certain level, everyone knows how to hit the ball. Everyone is super fit. And what separates the winners and the people who stay at the top are the ones who are mentally toughest. And so we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, mindset, visualization and things like that. And I value that so much because I was able to bring that into business. And even in in the corporate world, the rejection after rejection and learning that losing is part of winning. Just this year, it was a big year in tennis, right? If you've been following in the news, Serena Williams and Roger Federer, both, you know, all-time greats, both retired this year. And I remember watching their, their last matches and just, you know, getting emotional. That was such a big part of my childhood. And I ended up Googling this because um, it was fresh on my mind just because of the day I had at work. And I looked up their stats, their win-loss record. And Serena's was like 850-something wins to 156 losses. And, you know, I was like, wow, you know, that's 156 losses in 20 years. That's a very small number. And then I looked at Rogers and it was like 1,200 wins to almost 300 losses, 275, something like that. In the big picture, it seems like those numbers are small over 20 years, but that was 200 times or 300 times that the world's greatest players lost to somebody. And, you know, it could have been, you know, somebody on their level, somebody a little bit lower. 
And I remember thinking that day because I had a really hard day and I was just not sure if, you know, the business was going in the direction that I wanted it to go. And I just remember thinking to myself, okay, have you failed 200 or 300 times yet though? Have I put in enough reps to be able to say, hey, I've done the work and it's just not working. Those are probably the biggest things that I take from tennis and bring it into my business. Yeah, I like looking at how other people have had those losses, yet they're really successful and they've just persevered and continuing to show up, whether it's training for something to get better at it or, you know, training in your business to keep it going and and continue to have it be more and more successful. So when it comes to outer appearance, what are some common things that women need to sort of unlearn? How do you help them do that through your business? It's been a year now since I started offering a styling service, which ends with a curated box of work and evening wear based on what you know each individual woman needs. And through this beta testing process of this styling service, I've learned so much about how we as women just rely so much on external factors in regards to how we view ourselves. One of the, I guess, main things that I've had to address with most of the women that I've worked with is the psychology behind sizing and how we have tied our beauty, our value, our worth to a number or a letter that's printed on a garment and, you know, just associating with with that number so deeply and, and that makes us feel whether, you know, whether we're beautiful or not, or whether we're, we should feel confident or should wear certain things. And to the point where I see some women just completely forego an outfit or just, you know, not want to even try it on because they just feel like, okay, I'm not a six or an eight anymore, so I can't wear that or even wear ill-fitting clothes, you know? And so it's just like one of those things where it's just like, if we just went up or down a size. It would probably fit us perfectly, but in our heads, if we're not that specific number or letter, it's really hard for us as women to to make that shift and make that change. And so breaking away from those ingrained beauty standards should have been or should be is probably one of the things that we address in that styling session. And I put it all on the table as gently as possible because I really do know that it's, it is a, a sensitive subject for a lot of us. And, and rightfully so. So that's something that we address first. It is a sensitive subject, but it's so universally felt. Like when you were talking about, yeah, if we just change the size, either up or down, it's going to look so much better. And I, I immediately went to those times where I was like in the dressing room and I was like, you know, having all these like negative shame spiral feelings around, you know, what it looked like. And it was like, oh, but if I just thought outside of the constraint, oh, it's, it's so much better. And it's not necessarily about that, that number. But I know that we have a lot of external messaging that ties us to these things of, you know, what's ideal beauty standards. And I love that you're helping women to see beyond those and, and to look at clothing and in, in a way that works for them personally, individually. So I want to ask you a question around speaking on stages. 
So I'm sure that as we're up on the stage, you know, you're thinking about all these eyeballs on you. And that's really your time to look your best. And so what are some things to think about when you're dressing for that? Because I know a lot of listeners, you know, as entrepreneurs have goals of being on those stages and being in front of bigger audiences, companies, organizations. So what are the things that would be really great for us to be mindful of as we're preparing to, you know, show up on those stages from a dressing standpoint? I don't think we spend enough time preparing for the nonverbal communication that that happens in front of any in front of any audience. It could be one person between like, you know, you and I are talking right now, or in front of an audience of a thousand people. Before we even start saying words, our audience has already decided on whether or not they want to like you, they want to trust you, they want to hear the words coming out of your mouth, and they, they're going to actually receive it. And so spending some time beforehand preparing what that looks like, because every time we get dressed or leave the house, we're sending a message even without speaking, right? And so kind of defining what that message is. Earlier we talked, I wanted to look professional, but still, you know, young and on trend. And so I wanted my style to represent that. That's going to be different for everyone. You know, an attorney who's showing up in court is not necessarily going to want to wear a hot pink suit, you know, unless she's Elle Woods. Um, but it, depending on your industry, the message that you're relaying, the audience that you're sitting in front of, all of these things are part of the nonverbal communication that happens that helps your your message land and sit with the audience that you're trying to reach. For me, up until a couple of weeks ago, I was a full-time mom. So going from mom mode to speaking in front of an audience about business, um, I really had to switch gears. And sometimes, you know, a change in the outfit helped me mentally, you know, switch gears. And having a process that you define for yourself that gets you in the mode to, it's game time and show up for yourself, show up for your brand, show up for your company, in the way that feels most authentic to you is, is probably one of the most helpful things that I've found that's worked for me. Hey friends, we'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I wanted to take just a few seconds to invite you to a free workshop that I created. It's called Launch a Binge-Worthy Podcast, and it's all about helping you to create a heartfelt podcast that reaches your soul listeners and grows your business. If you want access, just go to podcastandamplify.com. It's totally free. Okay, friend, back to the show. You know, you're right about the nonverbal, like how are people going to see you? And just putting some thoughtfulness around that, thinking about how do you want to represent yourself? Probably feeling comfortable too is like number one, because if you are uncomfortable, then people are going to sense that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the psychology of color is such a, you know, I feel like it's an underrated a topic that doesn't get too much talking time or, or too much light. So that's something else that we go through in our styling session. Any color that is anywhere evokes some kind of emotion, right? And you you think of it from a perspective of, like, they are fast, fast food companies, correct? Carl's Jr., McDonald's, Sonic, Burger King, you name it. Every single one of their logos and their store designs, red, yellow, maybe some orange, right? And that's because... According to researchers, those colors evoke hunger. Each color has different emotions that it's associated with. So just being mindful of what those things are 
is it's so important. Like today I was feeling happy and bright and cheerful and this green blazer worked for me, you know, but there are some days where I just want to be in all black and, you know, the green blazer is just not going to sit right with me because I'm not in that kind of mood. And so just being cognizant of some of these things is really important too. Yeah, I love uh, color psychology. I actually used to work for an interior design firm. So that was very, it is really powerful what you can do with color. And then when you're actually literally wearing that, I mean, it's so powerful. So I'm thinking of people like me who are not great at knowing what their style is. Like I, I haven't shopped for a lot of clothes since the pandemic. Because, you know, for a while there, I was like, why? I'm not going anywhere. But now, you know, I'm out there, I'm doing public speaking and, you know, even online. But I still kind of look around at clothing and I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> like there are some trends where I'm like, I don't know if it's that I'm so out of touch or what. But I'm like, I don't understand how that goes together. So I think it's been a challenge for me to find my style and to to know what that looks like. And I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that feel the same way. So what are one or two things that women can start working on today to start owning their style, owning their look and getting a better grasp on what that is? I think trial and error is going to be the most um uh, and error is, is such a broad term, but in the sense that like, if you don't try something on your body, you're just not going to know what that looks and feels like. And it's okay to take a risk. It's okay to um, try something outside of your comfort zone. You, you know, Kristen, what feels good on you today, right? And so building on that is really where we kind of spread our wings in terms of, you know, our sense of style. And, and try new things. And so you could also reference celebrities who have a similar body type to you. Knowing your measurements is very important, especially if you're an online shopper. And what we do also with our styling clients is help them figure out what their body shape is. And based on your shape, kind of pieces to pick. And then from there, looking at celebrities with similar body types, what looks good on them, what doesn't, and then doing that work for yourself too, you know, trying something that where one piece that's in your comfort zone and one piece that's not, and then just working from there and, and trial and error. And I feel like the most important thing in all of it though, is I think you, you touched on it earlier, which is just owning it. You know, we wear our art image, our body image, our self image, almost a hundred percent has everything to do with others' opinion, right? Whether it's the projection of insecurities or limiting beliefs from our childhood, you know, or the media. It, I mean, it's just limitless where those uh, opinions come from and how they shape how we look. And so while it's important to, we talked about knowing what your style is when you're showing up in front of your audience and, and being cognizant of the message that you're that you're putting out there, it's also really important to know that opinions of others do not actually change who you are internally. So you're still a 10, regardless of what they think, but when you're showing up in front of your audience, you're still going to be putting out a message. So it's not really two different problems. I heard someone say this, his name's Alex Hermosi. I, I hope I said that correctly, but he's a 
businessman, very successful businessman, and he's got a YouTube channel. And he said something the other day. I feel like I use it daily now. It's not a problem to be solved, but a dichotomy to be managed. And so you want to be cognizant of the message that you're saying with your style, but you also want to know that or remind yourself that at the end of the day, no one's opinions really affect or shape who you are on the inside. So, Yeah, that's so true. And that's such a great reminder. I mean, you did say something that I didn't want you to say to me was that I have to try things on. <laughs> but I know it's true. There's there's definitely truth in that statement. Because that's the only way you're going to know. And yeah. um, I this kind of speaks to what you're saying in terms of it really comes back to you and how you feel about yourself and kind of silencing all that outside messaging, which is hard, right? Because it's constant. It comes from a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. But I started doing this thing where... I'm only going to buy clothes that light me up. Like when I put them on and I'm like, you don't get that like, oh, wow, I love this. Like I'm only going to buy the clothes that I put on that I love. I love that. And then everything else get put in the go back pile because inevitably those are the things that I wear over and over and over and over again. Right. And yeah, we kind of create our own little uniform without you know, saying it that it is because we're comfortable in those pieces. And so I love that. I absolutely love that. You know, there's so much waste in fashion too, that investing in quality pieces versus just, you know, how much can I get for the least amount of money? It, it's so important to, to be mindful of how you're purchasing clothing and how much you're purchasing. And so therefore investing in good pieces um, and then building your base and then, and then, you know, accessories and things like that building on top of that uh is really really important too so I, I love that you have that in the back of your head when you're shopping so you're not buying things that you're not going to wear or you don't need or it's just going to sit in your closet <laughs> and collect this yeah no I love that you brought that up around like the fast fashion right I, I was doing that I was buying things because I felt okay about them and then inevitably I would just give it away and I just really didn't want to continue that like you said, there's so many clothes out there that just get discarded. So this has been a really great conversation. Before we end, I want to know, what is your superpower? I love this question. My superpower is, I believe it's my ability to remove myself from a situation that I'm in mentally and uh, be able to objectively look at the assess the situation and decide on how I'm going to move forward. I think, and then within that, if it's a dark place in terms of like something hard or a season that I'm just, you know, struggling, just knowing that there's, there is cracks of light somewhere in there I maybe haven't found yet. And there's always going to be something better on the other side. I just have to get through it. So maybe there's one word that encompasses all of that. Maybe it's my outlook on things, how I view life. Yeah, I know. I love that. And I can see how that would really help when you're working with clients, you know, to help them create a look that they feel amazing in. So I also want to know how people can find out more about you and get connected with you. So desk to desk, D-E-S-K to desk, so like office desk and evening wear desk. Um, we're on social media on every platform at desk to desk on Instagram is where, you know, you can send us messages or just, you know, hang out with us. I'm also on LinkedIn, which I'm trying to grow my LinkedIn following too. So if you um, have any business women who are on there, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn as well. 
Facebook, we're, we're everywhere. And then our website is deftodeft.com. So perfect. We'll link to all of those places in our show notes. And Melissa, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing about your story and how you help women to dress in a way that represents who they are and how they want to be seen in the world. So thank you. Oh, thanks so much, Kristen. I really enjoyed this. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcast and Amplify. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And the best way to support this show is by sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. For those of you who leave a review, you'll get the chance to win a 30-minute strategy session or a mini audit of your existing podcast. Thanks for listening. And remember, your voice and what you have to offer is needed in the world. Until next week, take care.